<clears throat> I'm going to continue on with uh, what I was talking about in the first session um, because I, I, I want us to step into more. I want us to step into a greater manifestation of the Spirit of God and the move of God. And I believe God wants to do more. But uh, he needs to show us some things. And how many of you understand we can come up in areas? Yeah. We, Like I said, I talked in the first session about yieldedness and the, value, the, the role that plays. Yielding to God's not just something maybe I feel like doing, maybe I don't. If we're hungry for more, we need to become more yielded. Uh, and, and, and in our own individual lives. And, but the other thing is, that is, is, is about our value and seeing as, as precious. In fact, if you want to go to, the, go to Peter quickly, because I was talking there just at the end of the last, the last session. Um, we, need, we need to treat as precious what God views as precious. And what God views as important, we need to treat as important. And um, we need to be very careful about even the way we talk about things. You know, the way we talk about things can reveal the value we place on them. And uh, the, the, way we treat this, the way we treat things, the way we talk about things. And I, I'll give you some examples in a moment. But let's just look here on Peter because we've, we already saw, and I was finishing off the last session. And remember I said about Peter, this man, this, he... he, he he walked in an incredible manifestation of the Spirit of God. And many people want that kind of manifestation. But what we really need to be saying is, what, what can we learn from Peter? What lessons does Peter teach us? Um, and, and, and Tony mentioned this as well. But one of the things Peter talks about is, is holy. And he talks about, uh, you know, if you, it, 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 the words Peter uses in his epistles are quite amazing. Because he talks about the incorruptible seed. Uh, he talks about the pure milk of the word. See, these adjectives are quite important. You'll find he uses these words through there in different contexts. And, and these are all connected to Peter's revelation of purity and holiness and the role that that played. But another word he uses quite a lot is precious. Uh, and now he uses a couple of different Greek words, but they're all in some way linked to value and precious. doesn't just do it once or two, twice. It's quite a few times. Let me just show you a few of these just to capture this. Uh, because often we, we think about each of these truths in different contexts, and we don't often don't link them together the way, it, 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 like see that what he's saying about them in the sense of how they work together. Because each of these are different doctrines. But he keeps putting the word precious in front of it. For example, and I already read this. Just, just notice this. I'll re we read this one in the last session. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. The genuineness of your faith being much more precious. And in fact, let's, let's, we'll come back to 1 Peter 1. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith. He says it twice, doesn't he? Do you think Peter was just running out of words? So he thought he'd throw the word precious in there. Do you think when the Holy Spirit 
was inspiring Peter to write that God was thinking, I need to make sure I've got enough words in my book. So we'll just throw some extra words in. Or do these words matter? Do you know that every word in the Word of God matters? It's, it has significance. Why does he describe these things as precious? And the original, the original words have to do with value and honor and respect, treating it as valuable. So like I said, our faith is precious. So we, 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 anything connected to our faith and anything connected to faith in church, we should view and treat and talk about as precious. Now, what, what's the opposite of giving something value or treating it as precious? Well, the Bible uses the word despise. See, despise has got to do with treating something with lower value than it deserves. It's not, despise is not always a net having this, I despise that. If something should be treated with this much value, and we treat it as kind of normal value, we don't have a negative feeling toward it, but you know, we just treat it as common. You are despising it. You're treating it with a lower value than it should be treated with. God talks a lot about despising. You know, the, it's interesting when you, when, you, when you look at value and you look at despising. God says things like, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't look down upon his correction. Paul talked, uh, I think it was Paul, talked about people who despise the church of God. He's talking about not just, not just unbelievers. These kind of words are important. Okay? The enemy wants to devalue the things of God. He wants to get us to treat things with less value. And, and, and even, like I said, in, in truths about things about our faith, a, a lot of attack has gone on even within Christianity on truths. And people have backed off some things, but, but some, of, some of that attack causes us to not treat something with the respect it's due. Not give it the value that he, that he gives it. Okay, well, actually, since we're in Second Peter, let's just look at this one quickly, and then we'll go back to 1 Peter. So uh, verse 1, he talks about our precious faith. Look at verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Do you see the repetition of this word? Why does Peter keep using words connected to, well, in the English translated precious, but words connected to value? This is a man who walked in the glory. He captured the importance of valuing and treating with value the things of God. Because what principle did we learn in the, in the last session? If we properly treat the things of God the way God wants them to, treat, to be treated, he's going to give us more. If we don't, and we devalue, and we despise, and we treat it as a common thing, is he going to trust us with more? Or are we going to find, not just that we don't get more, but often a, very, a decrease of things from, from him? How many, how many of you want the glory to de decrease? How many of you want the manifestation of the Spirit to decrease? I think we've seen enough of that. Who do you think wants the manifestation of God to decrease? 
the enemy. And, and one of his tactics is to get us to do things that will cause a decrease. Can, can the enemy just decrease the anointing because he feels like it? Can he wake up one morning and just decrease the things of God? I've said this before. The enemy's no, no match for God. It's no match for the things of God. He can't stop. But he works very often with deception. I mean, the day you decided to receive Jesus, could the devil stop it? Now, he, he tried to convince you Jesus didn't die for you, Jesus wasn't true. He tried to convince you, deceive you, believe things that, about it. But the day you came to the place, you got the revelation, you got that revelation who Jesus is, and you chose to confess him as Lord of your mouth. Uh, of, of your mouth. Well, he should be Lord of your mouth too. Lord of your life. Believe in your heart. God raised him from there. And you, know, do, you do what's necessary to receive Jesus, and you do everything that's necessary you put your faith in Jesus. Could the enemy step in and stop it happening? No. Was he powerful enough? No. He can't. He can't just stop things. But you know what? We've got the authority. Jesus gave us the authority. We're the sons, we're the sons and daughters of the Most High God, the children of the living God. God wants his, his children revealed on this planet. But, but very often, if the enemy is going to stop that, he's going to have to get us to function in a way that's going to cause those things to decrease. Because if we're functioning in the right way, we're honoring God, we, we, we're doing what we need to do, the enemy can't stop it. God just, you know what? The enemy did not take Jesus' life. Jesus said, I lay my life down. God, he could not, the enemy could not stop that plan as long as, listen, as long as the vessels yielded. The enemy tried to get it to yield to the enemy, but Jesus kept choosing to yield. As long as Jesus was doing it right, yielding to the Father, the enemy could not stop him. And in fact, Jesus rose victorious over the grave. Yeah. That's true with us as well. But you see, one of the things the enemy's done and I believe he's done this a lot in the last couple of decades, is he's caused us to devalue some things and to not treat as precious things that God views as precious. We should not just so easily as a body of Christ talk with disrespect about certain things and talk down about things and talk down about and attack truth. To despise is to treat it with a lower value. You know what? I've heard this phrase a lot. I've, again, I've said this before. I don't have a reputation. I've got nothing to protect. <laughs> so if we've got to teach a challenging truth, we just teach it. But you know what? It's popular these days. I, 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 I've heard people say this. Oh, it doesn't matter what we believe as long as we love each other. I've heard that phrase a lot. And, and, and you know what? I began to think about that phrase. It does not matter what we believe. What does the phrase, it does not matter, mean? It's not important. And if it's not important, it has no value. It doesn't matter what we believe. In other words, my beliefs have no value and have no importance. That's what that phrase means. I've administered this. Oh, it doesn't matter what we believe. 
doesn't matter if we believed him. It does not matter. We need to be very careful about how we talk about things. My, pray, my faith is precious. What is my faith built on? The word of God. So if my faith is not, is, is not important, what is built upon is not important. Oh, it doesn't matter if we all believe differently. Sorry, it doesn't matter. You're telling me it's not important. It's of no value. Is that God's perspective? Did God say it doesn't matter if you believe on Jesus or if you don't believe on Jesus? Did it matter? It most certainly mattered what you believed. So do you think it could it might possibly just matter in other areas what we believe? But but she, the enemy has thrown these thoughts and ideas in in Christians walk around. Oh, it doesn't matter if we all believe differently. Okay. Does it, does it matter if, if one believes Jesus was born of a virgin and another was not born of a virgin? Oh, yes, that matters. But this, this, and this matters. Who are you to decide what matters and what doesn't? Who are you to decide? Certain beliefs matters, others don't matter. Who? It should matter because God said it in his word. And, what God, and we should treat his word with enough respect that if he said it, it matters. And it's valuable. And it's important. Amen? Anyway, so, to, so look at the promises of God. All that preacher preaches is on the promises of God. There's other stuff. Sorry? That attitude. Those promises are precious. Don't you dare talk about them like that. This, we, we, we've become so casual with so many things in the, in the, in the church with things. We wonder why. No manifestation of the Spirit of God in so many environments. Do you realize these things are connected? Do we need to come back up in this area? Do we need to come back up and begin to value the things that he values? Why is Peter talking about these different things? Look, look at someone. I just want you to see how often he uses this word. It's interesting. You could look at this yourself, but you know we can look at it together too. So we, let's go back to 1 Peter. Well, we, we read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse, verse 19, the one I read in the previous session. So he, he talks about the, our precious faith in verse 6. Verse 19, chapter 1 Peter 1, 19, he talks about the precious blood of Christ. Do you see, he's pointing out things that are valuable. Man had a revelation of this. Look at, look at chapter 2, okay? And I, I'm going to say what I said at the end of the pre previous session. The blood of Jesus is precious. And, and like I said, the Bible also talks about people who treat the blood like a common thing. Blood of the covenant. And, and it talks about people who despise the goodness of God. Treat it like it's cheap. Just, we just reuse it anytime we feel like it. doesn't matter how we live. doesn't matter what we do because, well, God's a good God. That underlying attitude very often is despising the goodness of God. Treating it cheap. Okay? Look at, look at, look at, look at. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Just, just highlighting for a moment how he, how he uses these words, because I want you to see this. Seeing it sometimes with your eyes, hearing this. Like I said, you could all go read it at home, but, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that you're going to. So we're going to do it now. But look at this. 
Chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Coming to him. Who's him? As a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen of God and precious. How's Peter talking here? Peter's communicating value over certain things. And yeah, directly him. And then he goes in verse 6. Therefore it is also contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. precious. Verse 7. Therefore to you who believe, he is precious. Do you get the impression Peter liked the word precious? Or is he trying to communicate something? Is he trying to show some things? Chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 4. Again, I'm, I'm not looking at each of the contexts of these because actually very often we teach each of these things separately. I'm looking at the, un, the, the, the repetitive theme that goes through each of these truths. Precious. It's valuable. It's important. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. Saying some things about wives, husbands. I don't want to, I'm not going into the context, but look at verse 4. Rather let it be. He's talking about the beauty, outward beauty, yeah? Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart. Who's the hidden person of the heart? That's our inner man, our spirit, yeah? People say, oh, he's talking to wives. Do you think it doesn't apply to you too? Do you think we should all make sure that the condition of our inner man is good? We should, Okay. He's not saying only wives or only women should, keep, should, should, should nurture the condition of their inner man. We should all nurture the condition of our inner man. But he says, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is pr very precious in the sight. Is the condition of your inner man precious in the sight of God? It is. Why am I doing this? Why am I, why, why am I going, uh, you know? That, do you see the pattern? Do you see the pattern? This is a man who walked in the glory of God. This is a man who, who walked in the manifestation of the Spirit of God. How can we, what can we learn from this? We need to bring back uh, the way we value. And people say, well, I do value. Okay, well, value more. Bring it up even more. We put this before us and say, I, I, I want to I come back to the place where I, I need to be careful with how I talk about certain things. How I talk about certain truths. And, and, and how I handle certain things. Let's go to Matthew 13. Familiar scripture, but I, I just, again, I want to look at a principle here. I believe... God wants us to step into more. How do I know he wants us to step into more? Because in his word, he reveals that there is going to come a point that the body of Christ will step into more. It's always been his plan. It's always been his purpose. It's always been his intention. The glory of God will fill the earth. But... For that to happen in the body of Christ, we, some things in us matter. It's not just going to happen because he just decides it has to happen right now. It's going to happen. The context of many things, like I said, those scriptures about the revealing of the glory, you look at the context, it talks about it, it's directly connected to some things in the people. 
It's not just God decided one day, oh, it's the time to reveal the glory. Now, God is watching that clock, and we are on a timetable. I totally agree with that. Things are moving, which is why there's an urgency of the Spirit of God to say, come on, now we've got to come up because some things are ready to happen. And we've got to see some truths. We've got to begin to realize, let's get this this time. Let's get this. Let's bring our value up. Oh, oh, and other things, yieldedness. But yeah, we're talking about value. Look at Matthew 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven. What's the, what's the next three words? Or three or four words, depending on your translation. The kingdom of heaven is, man just says, is like treasure. Now, he then goes on to describe hidden in a field, yes? But notice this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure, value. Did Jesus talk about things in terms of value? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The va- where you put your value system. Jesus talked, used words like this, but he says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Now again, people can come up with all kinds of interpretations of this parable. So I'm not, I'm not going to try and focus on interpretations of the parable, but I want to see the, the principle. So he says, the treasure's hidden in a field. Notice this, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he, go, he goes. Who goes? The man who found the treasure. Is this something God did for him? He had to decide how he was going to respond to that treasure. It was up to him how he was going to respond to the treasure he found. It wasn't up to someone else. When you see something's valuable, it's up to you how you're going to respond. I've taught in Bible schools many years. Tony, Tony knows that I was, I've given up trying to add up how many years I did things, but I spent over two decades teaching in Bible schools and Bible colleges around the country. And I believe in the value of teaching the word in Bible schools. I believe in the value of it, but I also believe we need to expand, expand beyond the borders of Bible schools. Too many people go to Bible school for two years and then they think that that's all I need to learn about the word. And then they never grow anywhere past that. That's why we're doing these open. Two decades, it's amazing how many people go to Bible school and they never grow beyond that two years. They, they, they're hungry for the word. They grow, they grow, they grow in the word. They graduate Bible school. Now they think, now I know it all. I've heard that truth before. I never need to hear that again. I've had people say to me, had someone say to me recently, you know, I've been trying to invite people to your things. You know, I, I, I appreciate people inviting thing, uh, people to things, but you know, my attitude is God, God will bring the increase. But, but, but people have encountered attitudes. I had someone say to me, say, I've, I've tried to encounter, invite people, but you know what they say to me? They said, well, I, I did Bible school a few years ago, and I did courses, you know, so I don't need that now. What's this saying to you? What prevail, and, and this is not just isolated instances. What is the prevailing attitude, even amongst people who've heard the word and gone to Bible school, heard good quality word? The prevail, there's a prevailing attitude hanging over almost in the environment i don't need that anymore i've heard that before that is a despising of truth it's a devaluing of that truth 
to why people are often not seeing that truth producing as much in their lives because they don't really feel they need to grow in it anymore. It's lost the value to them. I remember, I remember, I remember, you know, seeing some of those same people in Bible school when they first started out, how hungry they were. Hunger, wow, this is amazing. I've never heard word like this. I mean, even in my own life, I, I, I grew up around some good teaching. Even as a teenager, and I've read books, on, and God, God was good to me. It's, it's just, he led me. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd probably been a train smash somewhere along the line. My word, you talk about God telling you not to t- change lanes? That reminded me of a situation years ago. I should be dead right now. I've had more than one instance where I should be dead right now. And I'm not talking minor situations. I was hit by a car as a pedestrian, carried across, across, flipped over, somersaulted in the air, landed on my head on the floor, got up and walked away. Everybody else said, sit down, you, 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 you're injured. I'm like, I'm fine. I feel fine. Then, no, 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 you need to go to hospital. I'm like, if you insist, but I feel fine. They insisted, they, no, no, you got concussion. You don't know what you're on. I'm like, I, I, I didn't even feel the car hitting me. I never felt a single bit of pain. Car went and smashed into a wall on the other side. Bang, I heard the bang. People came running out of the building because the car just drove head on into this thing. I was carried on the front of that car going at that speed. I'm just a minor bump. The police who looked at the video of the CCTV afterwards said, you should be dead. How did you survive that? They radioed ahead to the hospital because they insisted I go to the hospital. They, 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 you know, People were calling their police. People who viewed it had to have trauma counseling because they thought they'd just watched someone die. I, I mean, I had some emotional response afterwards as well. I struggled. But the physical side of things, I got up, I walked off out of the middle of the road. I just walked back to the side of the road and people sit down. So I sat down on the side of the pavement. No one carried me that distance. <laughs> And they, 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 they insisted, they called the ambulance. Within five minutes, there was like 10 police cars there because everyone was on their phones. I would just watch someone die. We need the police here. Yeah. Like, no, I'm here. <laughs> I had a big bump on the back of my head. It was about the size of a tennis ball. Okay. But, and a little bit of blood. But when I, by the time I got to the hospital, they realized it was a surface wound. Nothing, no damage whatsoever. They x-rayed me. No damage on the inside whatsoever. I had a, I had a few bit of skin scrapes. The police radioed ahead to the hospital. No, I'm going to get off. You don't mind a story, do you? I don't tell enough stories. You tell stories, I never tell stories. But, but, but I'm just telling you, I should be dead right now. This is more than one instance. This is not a minor situation. They arrived there with the ambulance. They insisted I had to be strapped in to, to one of those stretches. You can't move because you can be damaged. I'm like, I can tell you right now, there's nothing wrong with me. I literally I said that to them. There's nothing wrong with me. No, 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 we got to strap you. And I'm like, okay, strap me in. So they strapped me and I couldn't move my head. You you know, there could be damage we don't know about. I'm like, I can tell you right now there isn't. (laughs) But, you know, if you want to do it. Took me to the the hospital. The police had radioed ahead to the hospital telling them to expect a near-death emergency. Literally on the verge of death. (laughs) 
has been hit by a car. I got to the hospital. The doctor knows, I don't know who it was, the, the person there, the, you know, they took one look at me and said, are you the guy they just radioed here about? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, no, you're not the same guy. That guy was near death. You're the guy who just got hit by a car? I said, yeah. She said, no, it can't be you. This is someone else. I'm like, no, it's me. <laughs> they insisted on an x-raying me, checking me out. I was like, okay, who will x-ray me? I was sitting on the bed chatting away. They put me straight into top emergency, got to deal with them immediately. <laughs> and but within, within minutes they, after they're examining me, I mean, I had like 10 doctors around me. Suddenly I noticed they're all disappearing. And the one nurse says, we're going to move your bed down there. And she says, it's not a bad thing. It just, it just means we've realized you're not really that much of an emergency. We've put you in the top emergency slot. Other people can have this. These doctors have all gone to do other things. They x-rayed me. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong on the inside whatsoever. Hour or two later, I walked out of the hospital and went home. Didn't even keep me in overnight. But believe me, it was not a minor hit. I should be dead. I, shouldn't. I remember seeing the car going over me. The wheel of the car, I literally watched it go over me. Somehow it bounced. Didn't touch me. I literally remember looking, and just as I was lying on the ground, I saw the car going over me. That's not the only time. I should have had a head-on car collision. I was going way too fast years ago as a young person. On country roads, I'd driven back from some ministry. I wanted to get home. I was tired, and I was, I had my, I was flooring it. I was going, wait, and it was raining like your one. And I... I, I, I was just tired. It was like 2 a.m. in the morning, no cars on the road, middle of nowhere, it's down in Surrey somewhere. I'd driven back, I think, from Essex. And I, uh, I, 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 there were no street lights. So, you know, you know, when there's no street lights, you can see if there's a car coming further down at night because they're going to have their lights on, unless they really don't have their lights on, which it could happen. But I, I, got, I came behind a truck. And he was plodding along too slowly for my thing. And I was like, I was like 20 minutes from home after a couple of hours drive. I'm like, I want to get home. I want to go to bed. So I, I didn't bother slowing down. I glanced and I looked right the way down the road. And I could see even where the road curved, not a single light, pitch black, everywhere. And I pulled out, still going too fast, on rainy, wet roads, country roads. So there was a, a turn coming up. As I pulled out and I got halfway along this truck, headlights right in front of me. I'm like, where did they come from? Car right there. I'm like, he wasn't there half a second ago. Literally wasn't there. There was no light anywhere. You know what the Spirit of God said to me? Don't break. Put your, put your, put your foot on the pedal. That's what, he, that's what he said to me right there. Split second like that. Push the pedal down even far, further. I still don't know to this day how I missed that car on wet, rainy roads. But I can tell you one thing. I literally, this is not something I say lightly. I don't say this all the time. I literally felt the presence of angels around my whole car. Yeah. And I walked away from there knowing I should have died in a head-on collision. I was shaken afterwards because I, that wasn't just a near miss. I knew in my spirit. And in fact, I, I don't know. I don't even want to. I knew in my spirit the devil tried to kill me that day. And I knew it for days and a couple of weeks afterwards. It shook me. Yes. Yes. 
I don't know how I got off on that, but I think it was just... You told a story, I'll tell a story. Okay? So I'm very aware, very aware of the facts. I shouldn't be on this planet right now. I'm very thankful that I am. I don't even know how I got off on that. But, but, but... What God does in our lives is precious. And it's valuable. Let's get back to where we were, because I don't even know why I got off on that. Maybe I just... You know what? Those stories are very precious to me. I hardly ever talk about either of those instances, and I just go and blew them publicly open now. Hardly ever talk about either of those two. Okay? Sorry? That's fine. We'll leave it up to someone. Someone might need that. But you know what? God is good. Spirit of God, he can do what he needs to do. And I believe in a, in, in a God who moves incredibly powerfully. I'm not going to tell you the rest of that story. I, I'm tempted to, but I'm going to, I'm going to pause there because something else happened after that. But that, that, that one I'm going to keep for now. <laughs> after that car situation. But I know the enemy tried to kill me. I literally knew it. I knew that the... I, I knew that they, 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 for want of a better way to describe it, I knew, and in fact, this is how the Spirit of God put it on my heart, that, that, that a demon had been sent on assignment that night to kill me. And he had protected me. Okay? God can do that. Because when, God, when God's not finished, there's still a plan, still a purpose. God still had some things for me to do. In fact, years, years ago, I had a prophecy years ago. I, you know, I, I don't build my life on a prophecy, but I thank God. Sometimes, sometimes I think I don't want a prophecy because sometimes you, you, people are like, I need a prophecy. I'm like, I'm like, sometimes when God gives you a prophecy, it's because you're going to need to cling on to it through some tough times. But when I graduated Bible school, I was given a prophecy, very public, very well-known minister, pulled me out. And he said to me, he said the enemy was going to come against me to try to destroy that which God had for my life. He said, but God was not going to let it happen. And then he began to talk about some things about the United Kingdom and about revival and the plan. This is, this is 25 years ago, but the, 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 the role of some things that God had planned. And I'll, I'll keep that bit quiet. But, but he, he said the, the enemy had been sent on assignment. He was going to try and Okay, and I'm not saying I'm the center of. Praise God! I'll, I, anyone, God can use anybody. But but I'm thankful. For what I'm, I'm thankful for what He's done in my life. I'm thankful that I'm on this planet. Thankful that I'm here. And people people have tried people have tried to stand in the way and stop and, and do all kind of things that are, are, even in my own life. Stop the calling. Control the calling. Control the anointing. Take advantage of that anointing for themselves. And control it. But you know what? That call is precious. That anointing is precious. Okay? So let me <laughs> keep trying to get back to this and then going back that way again. Matthew 13. This is what I was trying to say. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Now notice this. The man that found that treasure, it was up to him how he responded to that treasure. It's up to him. How you respond to the things of value that God has given you in your life is up to you. 
Now, we can teach all kinds of doctrine about this. This was not for God to do. This was for the man who found the treasure to do. Okay? So if something is precious, whose responsibility is it to treat it as precious? Mine. No one else's. Take personal responsibility. Now, what, what you do and how you respond to what is precious and valuable matters because it's going to affect some things. It's going to affect whether God gives you more. It's going to affect whether there's an increase in a promotion. There's some things in your own personal life that God has given you. There's some things even in the, in the church, in the body of Christ, that might not specifically just be personal to me, but, 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 but my response still matters because they're valuable in, in the move of God. But the enemy wants to get us to despise. He wants us to get, to get us to, to mistreat, to throw it around, and to, 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 to just talk about things like they, it doesn't matter how we talk about things. Let me just go in the last few minutes here because I got a bit off track. Let me just give you a couple of things about some of the responses. This, this just, I wrote these down. This, how should we respond that shows how we value something? Well, the first thing is recognition. Recognize. Rec recognition. This is on me, yeah? Remember, the man who found the treasure. It's up to me to recognize what is valuable. Now, I don't make it valuable. God's told me it's valuable. But I've got to make a decision whether I'm going to recognize it as valuable. Recognition. Am I going to recognize the value of what he's given me and treat it with the value that it's due? Like I said, Paul talked about we have this treasure in earthen vessels. If it's a treasure... Should I recognize that what he's invested into me is valuable to treasure? And should I treat it as a treasure as a, as a result? He's, we know the blood. I'm washed in the blood, but it's precious blood. His Holy Spirit's within me. What else? The word. His, is his word precious? Is it valuable? Should we just, you know, there, 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 there are people who really do not have and, and, and I've noticed this morning, you've probably noticed it in chats on Facebook groups and different things. It's amazing how people would just act like it doesn't matter if we rip apart the scriptures because, that, well, that was Paul's opinion. This is my opinion. Yeah. The enemy's gotten people to the stage where they don't even recognize it half the time as, as, as the word of God. And they, they justify why, justify around why they can rip it apart. Because, well, that's just what Paul said. But an underlying devaluing of the Word of God has happened in many Christian circles to the point that people feel nothing as to whether they change entire portions of Scripture to suit their personal positions. And we wonder why there's no manifestation of glory on a wide scale. This has been happening. The enemy is, has been working a plan very specifically over the last couple of de decades in the body of Christ in this direction. And it's getting to the point where it's becoming very obvious in some circles that the value's gone. For the Word, the Holy Spirit, other things. We've got to watch this. We need to start recognizing. No, hold on. Pause. These things are valuable. They're precious. We need to start fixing this. The other one I talked a bit about in the first session, so recognition. Another thing is appreciation. Begin to appreciate. 
okay? Begin to appreciate it. How I talk about it shows whether I appreciate it or not. And people say, well, you know, I wanted to hear about how to get more miracles in my life. I'm telling you. I wanted to hear about how to get my breakthrough. I'm telling you. Start to, to start to bring up your regard and your value of all areas of the things. He's, Peter, Peter talked about a wide range of things that are precious, didn't he? The way we talk about the things of God shows whether we, we were treating, tr- whether we are treating them as valuable or not. And then the th- I'm going to end on this one because I'm going to end in just a minute. Use what he's given you. Use it. I did cover this a little bit in the previous session, but I want to put this in a list. We could add more things to that list. But if, he, if God took, and I'm going I'm to hop on the same one that I've mentioned previously because this is, this is something I believe we need to come up in. If God took the time to put his Holy Spirit inside of us, if God took the time to anoint us with his spirit, if God took the time to give, to give us tongues, I'm, I'm hammering on this one because this is one the enemy has attacked a lot, massively. Why, why do you think the enemy wants to attack tongues so much? Some, some people say, oh, well, it's not the enemy attacking it. It's just that it's not important. No, you just don't realize you're the vessel the enemy's attacking it with. If it comes from God, if it's in the Word, it's important. But why do you think the enemy has taken so much time to try to attack anything about the Holy Spirit? There are groups of Christianity pretty much trying to reverse the last hundred years of church, of church, church history, trying to wipe it out and trying to say it was all an error. It was a mistake. Should never. Oh, they, you know, they, 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 literally, it's amazing, it shocks you when you begin to realize what they're trying to do. Trying to wipe out some of the greatest revivals that have happened in the, and try to say it was all off. It should never have happened. Oh, the church got really off with all of that. I recognize at times they've gotten off, but no, the, the moves of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was of God. We're trying to wipe out things about tongues. Why? Let me, this is the question I was trying to get to. Why do you think the enemy wants to wipe out truths about tongues and the Holy Spirit. It's powerful, and he is terrified of those things. He is terrified of Christians who actually use what God has given them and start to pray in tongues consistently. He's terrified of what it will do in in, in the lives of believers. We already saw what it did when the outpouring of tongues. Look at what it did in the book of Acts. Then you look over the last hundred years, look at places like the outpourings of the Holy Spirit in, the, in, in various churches and tongues and different things like that. Look at what it did. Of course, some of the greatest moves of God of the last hundred years. And the enemy wants to wipe all of that out by causing people to, 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 to devalue it, not appreciate it, but also not use it. There's a lot of Christians these days who can pray in tongues who never really do. They're not using it. Now, if you're not using what God's already given you, why, okay, one, yes, lose it, because I mentioned that earlier, but why would he give you more? (laughs) Is he just going to give you more so that you don't use more? (laughs) 
You're already using the, 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 not using the three things I gave you. So yeah, let me give you another 10 so you could also not use those 10 things. <laughs> so you begin to stir it up, begin to say, okay, God, you've given me these things. I'm going to use the things you've got. And, and I thank you that as I do, I believe you'll begin to give me, you'll trust me with more things. Amen? So anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to end there for today. And I, I trust this, that you've got something out of this and stirred you up a bit. A little bit different. But, uh, but I felt these truths need to be, to be brought to the forefront and stirred up. Amen? Um, just, just in closing, we've got the, the, most people probably know the dates for the, uh, the, the next evening one in Warrington. Uh, obviously, these Saturday mornings are on the second Saturday of every month. So if you don't know the dates, it's always the, we're keeping it on the second one. And then we're at um, St. Paul's every fourth Friday. So the next one is, I don't know the dates for the, so the 22nd. 22nd of April, we're at St. Paul. So it's the fourth Friday, but you're welcome to join us for that. Uh, the, the evening meetings, we also do worship and we do other things as well. Amen. She said it's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, but God bless you.